0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way
1: to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about lead generation for B2B, and I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Luis Gudima. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Anatoly? I'm doing great, especially you know, when you mentioned that you can surprise, uh, including me. I love uh, learning something new, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so excited to learn more about that. I know you help B2B startups uh, and growth stage companies grow by developing and implementing strategic marketing programs. Uh, to drive business results. Yeah, so excited about that. Before we start, tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about lead generation for B2B.
0: Thanks, Anatoly. So I work with um, companies as a fractional CMO, B2B companies as fractional CMO and marketing strategists. And I am um, also uh, put out a book, Bullseye Marketing, uh, which has um, gotten a good reception. It was named one of the best marketing plan books of all time. And it uh, has led to me being uh, hired to work as a ghostwriter on the marketing or business books of some other people. So that's uh, something uh, that I work on as well. So I have about 30 years of, of marketing experience. And I have uh, worked with companies from uh, very large tech companies like IBM to MIT startups uh, and many others.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you tell uh, what is the main difference when you corp- uh, cooperate with big companies like uh, IBM or any others compared to SMB uh, or, or small companies uh, that are looking for ways to grow their business? What kind of uh, benefits IBM want to get? Uh, yeah. Just tell more about co- cooperating in the right way with big companies
0: well when you're doing marketing for a big company of course you're a a very small part of a very very big machine and so uh, they have very uh, strong brand standards they have a lot of um, you know practices uh, that they've been doing for a long time Um, and you're you're kind of you know helping them do new things but at the same time kind of uh, fitting into uh, how that whole thing is. And so you're, you're trying to make small turns in a very big ship. Um, whereas when you're working with a, an SMB, first of all, you know, you're, you're typically working closely with the CEO or owner. And uh, in my case, I'm, I may be the first marketing lead that they they've ever had, uh, the first head of marketing they've ever had. So I'm developing a whole marketing strategy and plan, uh, looking at their whole MarTech stack, their brand, uh, usually, their website needs some substantial overhaul, uh, and then we launch a whole series of of uh, both branding and lead generation programs that involve email, digital advertising, um, lots of other channels, uh, and and do a you know I typically uh, develop a, a multi-channel approach that works across say uh, five or six channels at least at the same time, and that's where you get the biggest bang. So it's, a, it's usually a much more strategic role that I'm in in the small and mid-sized companies.
1: Nice, nice, love it. Uh, okay, you mentioned about multi-channel approach. Uh, uh, can you tell how to find uh, channels that will provide results? Because, you know, I see when companies, uh, uh, especially when they launch a new product, they uh, try to cover a few channels uh with limited resources sometimes it's not good idea you know especially uh when you share limited resources you can be like jack of all trades master of not uh can you tell uh, how to know which channels will provide results how to find them and uh how to know what kind of budget to share to specific channel
0: well that that comes down to knowing your customer and so you have to understand. Uh where your customer is. So some customers, for example, uh, will be on LinkedIn, Uh, but in other industries, even in B2B, there are some industries where, you know, the people are just not hanging out on LinkedIn or on on social media in general. Uh, And so those don't become useful. Uh, Email, um, generally, if a person hasn't subscribed to a list, hasn't opted into a list, isn't very effective. Um, so you have to find uh, other ways to get in front of them. And that may be trade associations. It may be, uh, you know, I'm usually doing very, very tightly focused marketing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my customers, my clients may be trying to um, reach a market of um, several hundred to several thousand uh, Companies in the first year that we're working on. We're not trying to reach a million companies, uh, you know, or five million companies. And so no. we can be very highly targeted um, on just those people uh, through, like I said, uh, social media ads, other types of ads. Even if an email list isn't good for uh, emails, it can be good for targeting ads through programmatic ad platforms and others um using remarketing and and using some other tools but it really comes down you know something that will work in one industry won't work at all in another and sometimes sometimes you learn that uh you know the hard way and and sometimes you know it from beginning uh because you know it's you know just something that uh is, you know, not, uh, you know, as you, as you research, the most important thing, of course, is to talk to the customers. Mm -hmm. And so as you're talking to the customers and you find out that they're not, uh, actually on those channels, you know, then then you have to devise programs that reach them where they are. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. Let's talk about, uh, how, to learn customers because uh, especially when you set up paid ads uh, uh, that are expensive and it's better to get the right data uh, about customers uh, uh, on LinkedIn as well because uh, cost per click is high. Can you tell how to find the right customers, learn from them? Uh, Yeah, just uh, tell more about uh, getting data and learning customers.
0: Well, one of the important things to understand about B2B, and it's you know true for B2C, too, largely, um, if unless you're selling something that people use every day, like food, um, 95% of your customers aren't looking to buy right now. And this is really important to understand. So you know, when you talk about lead generation, that's a very, very small part of the market that's actually looking to buy right now. The rest of the market either isn't interested in what you're selling or they're interested in it and they're just not buying it right now. They may have an uh, an established vendor that they're very happy with and they're not going to change. They're, you know, They've got 20 priorities and you're not in the 20 <laughs> or they've got five priorities and you're not in the five. Uh, so you can reach out to them. You can send your cold emails. You can try to call them, but it's like, no, we're not buying this. It's not in our budget. I'm not taking time because I I got a lot of other things. So this is why it's so important to be uh, what I was saying before about having the right balance between lead generation and brand building. Um, Because 95% of your market isn't looking to buy right now. And so in addition to those lead generation programs to try to get to those 5%, Um, you need to be building your brand and what's called mental availability so that when they do decide to, they need to buy what you're selling, you're at the top of the list that they're going to be talking companies that they're going to be talking to. So for example, I had a marketing agency for a dozen years and we did work with, like I said, IBM, the Boston Globe, you know, other big tech companies, uh, and then we pivoted and became a SaaS agency and and we had uh our own platform which was a content management system and we focused on the um uh small colleges and private schools education market well after i sold that i was the vp of business development at another agency and uh the first call i got was a guy who uh said uh, you know, he was calling in, he was saying, I need to talk to the, you know, sales guy. And I said, okay, you know, you're talking to him. He said, well, we've been following, I've been following you for three years. You know, I've seen your CEO speak. I've been reading your blog. I really like what you have to say. We're finally ready now and we need your services. So that's what you need. You, you need to be top of mind when, the, when that 95% of the market um, is ready to buy. Because in many cases, and you would be uh, shocked at this, uh, Anatoly, how few vendors they will look at. The majority of the time, they will only look at one company, maybe two, before they buy. Um, And so, uh, for example, I was doing work with a company which is a a tech analyst firm um, called The Real Story Group. And they did a study a few years ago where they surveyed their customers of very large uh, digital asset management systems. So this is software that large companies use to organize all their digital assets like, you know, images and videos and white papers and, you know, ebooks and all these sorts of things. These are expensive systems. These are not systems that small companies buy. So, their comp- customers who are buying these digital asset management systems, or DAMs as they're called, you know, referred to, um, are big companies. And yet, when they surveyed their customers and asked them how they, you know, went through their buying process, the majority only talked to one vendor when buying these very expensive critical systems. And so they mm-hmm. didn't have comparative reviews and they didn't have, uh, you know, bake offs uh, between you know, two companies. Um, and, and I saw when I was doing some work for them, uh, an interview, I, one of the companies I did an analysis for is a company called Acton, and they compete with HubSpot, they have a CRM and marketing automation program, that kind of marketing software. And the CEO of that company said, most of their sales the customer only looks at one only looks at act on and they buy it Uh, because they've heard of act on someone's referred them and that's all it is so that is the really critical marketing challenge uh of course you want to spend time on your lead generation to try to get in front of that five percent that's buying now but in fact a lot of that five percent has already decided this is the one company i'm talking to I don't even care if these other guys contact me at the right moment because I haven't heard of them before. Yeah. If you haven't built your brand, it doesn't matter. You're just, you know, you're just an email. You're just like someone annoying them with a phone call, and they probably get 10 or 20 phone calls a day. I do. I get, you know, all sorts of outreach for, for, from marketing people, lead gen people, and very little of it, you know, that's a one or 2% game. So you got to, you know, be building your brand and that mental availability so that uh, when they do decide to buy, you are at the very top of their list. Um, And so the problem that's happened in marketing, and it's because of this huge proliferation of MarTech platforms. You know, Scott Brinker, I'm in Boston and Scott's in Boston and I know him. And about a dozen years ago, he put out his first marketing technology landscape. I don't know if you're familiar with that graphic. No, Um, no. it's a it's a graphic that shows um, all the different vendors in the MarTech space. And Mm -hmm. when he first put it out a dozen years ago, it had less than a thousand companies in it. Well, now it has (laughs) 10,000. So, uh, you know, that's so that's who if, if you're a MarTech company and in every one of the 40 or 50 categories, there's dozens or hundreds of of other companies. So you're not going to win by differentiating yourself in most cases, because the customer won't remember that. You're just one of 40 companies that that's competing. Um, you know, the game is for them to remember you at all, for you to be distinctive uh, and memorable. And so um, this is what I, so the way that I compare this, Anatoly, is it's well known that exercise every day is great for your health right you look like a pretty fit guy you you look like someone who probably works out or runs or or you know takes care of yourself and if you exercise 30 minutes a day for 5 or 6 days of the week it's a huge huge benefit for your health but there's no <laughs> one time you can't say oh that run that I did last Tuesday that's the run that made me healthy no, it's doing it every day over and over again and eating right and and taking care of yourself, getting sleep, drinking enough water. That's what makes you healthy. Now, on the other side, and that's similar to brand marketing. That's, you know, it's a thing that you do every day and you can't point to any one thing and say, that's the thing that, that made us famous. That's the thing that uh built mental availability it's doing it all all the time now on the other hand you've got lead generation and lead generation is kind of like getting your COVID vaccine or getting a stent if you have a heart attack or getting you know a cast for your arm if you break your arm you know it's very important it takes care of that problem that problem could even be fatal if it wasn't taken care of but um it doesn't make you healthy in the long run, it just takes care of that immediate problem. And so that's like lead generation. Um, So you got to do that every day, all day brand building to build your, your mental availability. Um, And that's something that, that just uh, because there are these, so many marketing software packages, and they all give you campaign metrics. They all say, oh, you spent some money here and you got this many leads. Um, and people become obsessed with that short-term measurable uh, result. But you have to remember that you know not everything measurable is important. And not everything important is measurable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and so the companies that are the biggest ones, and, and so studies have been done on this, and um what you have to do generally is 50 50. roughly half of your marketing should be on brand building and half of your marketing should be on lead generation and i'm sure you can... <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> I, I love this quote that's why i decided <laughs> to okay. submit this video <laughs> okay go ahead
0: <laughs> well thank you i, I want to thank the audience for that um how so you got to keep up both, um, and uh, you know that's that's the important thing that, that you need to have going on. Um, or because the lead, the brand building also helps your lead generation, but it doesn't work the other way around. So if you, a lot of lead generation does not build your brand, it does not build mental availability. But a lot of brand building helps your lead generation because people know you. Um, They trust you more when your email or your call arrives. They've heard of you. Um, Companies with strong brands can charge more. They can have bigger margins. They have bigger profits. Uh, If if a customer has one unhappy experience with them, they won't leave them. If they have a strong brand, if they have a weak brand. They're much more likely to leave them after just one bad experience. So all of these benefits come to you from the brand building that uh but like i said you the way you build your brand and the way you generate leads are very different
1: yeah yeah love it love it yeah yeah it's called uh, uh reciprocity rule when you uh, share value help others support them and it creates the feeling guilt to give something back, you know. Uh, uh, So, yeah, I love the strategy to create brand awareness. And you mentioned about consistency Uh, when you do something every single day. uh, Can you tell about creating the right strategy of building brand awareness? What kind of content to create? how to help customers, uh, uh, because if customers are not ready to buy, but you can uh, help them during their journey uh, to know more about products that can help uh, them decide their problems. Uh, uh, so let's talk more about creating brand awareness.
0: Well, some of the things that you do will be helpful, you know, mm-hmm. like, like um, content marketing, and you'll put out blog posts and videos and ebooks and hold webinars and do things like you're doing here with this session right now. Um, And those will be helpful to people. Um, But that isn't the only way to uh, build your brand and your mental availability. So you can, in general, two things to keep in mind. One is what's called share of voice. Um, You need to build an excess share of voice. So, and that's when your voice in your industry is bigger than your market share. So in general, uh, you know, let's say you have 10% of market share. If you also have 10% of voice, you know, all the marketing, all the advertising, all the promotion and events and, and blog posts and, and content and so forth, that's probably not going to grow your company. It'll keep it steady at that level, but your voice is, your share of voice is about equal to your market share, and that doesn't move you. If your share of voice went down below your market share, you would be in danger of losing market share. But if you want to increase your market share, you need to increase your share of voice beyond what your market share is. And that can be done through ads, through podcasts, through webinars, through blog posts, through opt-in emails, events, social media, and so forth. Um, So there's no one magic bullet. It's again, it's being (laughs) everywhere doing a lot of different things. And one of the key differences between um, uh, the brand building and the lead generation is brand building tends to be emotion-based messages which have a short, people don't act on them in the short term, but they stick with their, them in their mind, in their brain. And so lead generation tends to be logical messages. Lead generation messages are things like ten percent off, sign up for the webinar, download the ebook. Uh, but if you don't do it at that moment, you won't remember that. You know, two minutes later, you're not thinking about that two minutes later. But you see a really great advertisement. You know, whether it's on TV or video on the internet, um, or it may even be print, or you know, some sort of static uh, thing like that. And there have been great, great print ads um you remember them they stick with you and so you yeah. know you you ask people um you know there's probably advertisements you remember from, from being a kid
1: <laughs> yeah okay and, and you know yeah, yeah go ahead
0: yeah i mean you know uh and, and there's the things that americans would if you said oh what's a, an ad you remember from being a kid oh yeah i remember you know <laughs> you know this ad for you know hot dogs or this ad you know that they had for toilet paper or or you know whatever it would be a consumer product it wouldn't be b2b because you know they wouldn't have been seeing b2b things as a kid um but they never would remember a lead generation ad they saw as a kid because it would it, it's has no creative to it it has no humor it has no emotion it has no hook that sticks with the mind and that's the difference And that's why all of those lead generation activities don't build your brand. But those branding activities do produce a a better foundation for your lead gen marketing.
1: Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, Let's talk about uh, call to action. For example, if I uh, create brand awareness, uh, help my audience, uh, future customers, uh how to submit the right call to action to them to generate more leads uh, to sell actually products uh, because you you know uh, many uh, companies can have traffic uh, on their uh, blogs, but uh, I see uh, two approaches. The first approach, uh, when uh, they ignore to submit call to action, uh, so people can read, consume content, and forget about this brand. The second approach, uh, when companies can oversell, you know, to submit call to action many times everywhere, it's annoying as well. So, uh, tell how to find the balance uh, of submitting call to action? uh, Yeah, to actually sell products.
0: Well, there's so many things that go into that, and again, it's going to be totally different depending on the industry. But if you have um, you you have calls, you have to have a call to action on any kind of lead generation ad, certainly. Um, and you know, the most important thing in your lead generation campaigns is that you're getting in front of the right audience. You know that you make sure that your ads actually and and your other promotions actually are appearing in front of the people in the industry and the companies that you want to sell to. Um, Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Secondly, second most important is the offer. And um, it has to be something that's valuable enough and compelling enough that people will click on it and come to fill it out. And you're always dealing with very low percentages. You know, if you have a click-through rate of, Five or ten percent—that's a very good click-through rate. You know, a lot of in a lot of industries, the click-through rates are three percent, or something of that sort. Um, and so, uh, and then when they come to your landing page, usually a very small percentage will convert. Again, you might have five percent or less who convert when they get to your landing page. So, if if you think of you Know, I've got a very small percentage who are clicking on this, and a very small percentage who are click, you know, converting. You know, uh, only a few drop out at the bottom of, of all of that, and they may or may not be actually looking to buy right now. They may just be interested in that white paper or that webinar, and they may not want to buy for two years. Um, mm-hmm. so you have to, at, you know, when I've done um ads, I found. For example, you know, there would be an ad for a product, and it didn't have any call to action on it, so it got very few clicks. Just adding a button that said "Learn More" increased the clicks by ten times. So any call to action, you know, even something as simple as "Learn More" can have a big impact. Um, And then when you when they come to your landing page, you have to have that engineered um, and tested and optimized to, to get the maximum number of signups or downloads. But again, you don't necessarily know how that's gonna work until you do it. Um, I was working with a company, i I'll give you two examples. So I was working with a company and we were offering um, an ebook on best practices and they we had a 28% conversion rate when people came to the form so very high conversion rate very good and we said well can we do even better can we get it to 35 or 40% so we looked at the form and we said oh, well the form probably is too too many words too much going on yeah we could probably even simplify the form and I bet we'd get more conversions we simplified the form and it dropped to zero i mean literally no <laughs> no one. <laughs> all those signups just ended so we went back to the other form and it made no sense to us at all but that that's what the data showed it was there was no arguing with it um
1: I so weird. <laughs>
0: it, it yeah. was totally weird um <laughs> But I I head up a, an organization in Boston, and we actually have things that are online, you know, kind of nationally, called Sales and Marketing Innovators. So we do events mostly on the third Thursday morning of the month. So we had an event this uh, morning, and our guest. These are all these speakers or panels, and our guest was Jeremy Cornfeld who is a top, top marketing executive. He's the North American CEO of Brain Labs, which is a global digital marketing agency. Before that, he was the CEO of iProspect, which was a very uh, successful digital marketing agency. And so he was on talking and he said, you never know what will work with creative until you do it. You may think you'll know, but you never will know until you put it out there. And he gave an example that um, they were working with a large car company and they were doing digital ads for this car company. And they tried all sorts of different creative, different headlines, different copy and so forth. And they discovered that the only thing that mattered, the only thing that would change how uh, much people clicked was the color of the car in the ad. And- He thought, uh, oh, you know, this was so depressing for the creative people because they're like, oh, we have all these great ideas. We write all this great copy. We have these great, you know, concepts. And it turned out the only thing that changed it was the color of the car. And it wasn't even like the brightest color necessarily. Sometimes it was um, a subdued, you know, kind of color. So anyway, so you never know until you do. I, I had a client who B2B and they were doing, um, they had a form on their site, they had a hardware product and uh, they had a form to sign up for a demo. And what you did when you signed up for the demo was you went to the calendar of the founder and you picked any open time you wanted for your demo. And you had the total choice of, you know, what time did you wanna have your demo? one-to-one with the founder, nobody signed up. Literally in a year, not a single person signed up. So I looked at it and I said, well, maybe the problem is that it's a one-to-one, you know, this is gonna be a sales call. It's not gonna be a demo because you're one-to-one with the founder. You know, it's a sales call. What if we do this? What if we say, we're going to have a demo every Tuesday at 11 and every Thursday at three. And if you want to be part of it, just sign up. And those are the only two times. And if those two times don't work for you, you could ask for a different time, but that's when we do our demos. Um, in the first month they got more than 20 people to sign up for demos <laughs> because it no longer came off as a one-on-one sales call. Now it really was a demo. Uh, and so these things that uh, you know that you have to engineer, and you have to test, and you have to try, and you have to kind of be empathetic, empathetic, and put yourself in the shoes of the other person, and think, well, how are they perceiving this? How are they thinking about this? What does this look like to them? Not just, oh, how can I sell, sell, sell? But you know, if I was on the other end, would I react to that? positively you know would I want that um, and if not how could I change it so it's something that they would want yeah. so um, it's a it's a complicated thing there's no yeah. simple there's no simple rules
1: yeah the era of lazy marketers uh, is that. Uh, Definitely. Uh, I have the question about uh, your experience uh, cooperating with big brands and uh, small brands. For example, you mentioned that you need to create breadth awareness, Uh, but uh, uh, for example, uh, when uh, small brands have awesome products, high quality products, uh, their unique selling proposition, They need to compete with big brands. And uh, I understand uh, uh, why it's complex. For example, uh, I remember when my son told me we need to buy Nike. He didn't tell me uh, we need to buy sneakers. He told me I want a Nike. Let's go to Nike and buy the sneakers. Uh, And it's hard uh, for small brands to compete with them because they spend billions, you know, to create brand awareness. Uh, People trust them. Uh, They deserve this brand awareness, strong brand recognition. But in the end, we need to compete with them. Can you tell how to do it? Uh, For example, if we have unique selling proposition, high quality products, but our competitors big brands uh, like IBM, Nike, Amazon, any others. How to set up marketing message to get customers and tell, okay, we have our benefits if we cooperate with us.
0: Well, your body language actually is kind of showing what you do. You were like, (laughs) so what, what you need to do, so like I said, I mentor startups at MIT and I work with small companies um and generally what they need to do is be very focused and very narrowly focused um and so if you uh if you're you might focus on just a geography or just one industry um because you're not like you said you're you're not going to have an ibm budget you're not going to have a budget like salesforce um and so you can't try to cover the entire universe of customers because you'll dilute what you're doing so thin that no one will notice anything there is a kind of a minimum effort or a critical mass you have to do to get people to notice you so if i had a a very limited budget uh i wouldn't market nationwide i would pick five cities or i would pick just new england or i would pick you know just California, what, what, whatever made the most sense for that particular product, and you know particular industries, particular companies, particular titles in those companies, I would be very narrowly focused because I want them to see, so for example, I've done uh, multi-channel campaigns for companies where we were targeting uh, five to 10,000 people in big companies, and we spent five or $6,000 a month on the media, on the advertising and other programs. And we got like 250,000 impressions for five or $6,000. That built a lot of awareness. I I had the the head of sales at the company, you had been um, a head of sales and marketing at other companies, he had been a CEO. He had a lot of experience. He didn't tell me this when he first came on, but he told me this six months later. He said, when I came on, I thought you were crazy. You know, the things you were doing were like, oh, this isn't gonna work. But I didn't say anything. And three months later, I had all these, you know, people at these big companies saying, I'm seeing you guys everywhere. I figure I gotta talk to you. But it's because I was very narrowly focused on just that five or 10,000 people. And I wasn't trying to reach everybody in the entire country you know, in every type of company.
1: Nice. So, nice. Love it. Yeah. so
0: that's first of all. Second of all, um, one of those advantages that brands have, you know, that's a disadvantage for, for small companies is that being a big brand amplifies your marketing. So, you know, if you spend X dollars in your IBM or Salesforce, since people already know you, that amount of marketing has an even bigger impact than if a small company spent that amount of money um so the biggest multiplier of marketing is the size of the company the market share of the company but the second biggest multiplier is creativity because remember i said those brand uh ads had to have emotional messages they had to be memorable they had to connect with you and say more than please download our ebook and so the way that you can get um, the way that you can compete is your unfair advantage is creativity so they're not going to remember i I know you're going to hate to hear this anatoly but they're probably not going to remember your unique selling proposition but they're going to remember your creative humorous ad that's well branded so that it has your name in it at least two or three times and they see that enough times and they're like okay i keep seeing this i should find out what these guys are about then they're going to start to remember your unique selling proposition but they probably won't remember it from an ad and in part because it's very rarely unique remember i told you about scott brinker's graphic where he shows like all the marketing Tech companies and there's ten thousand of them, and in every category there's dozens or hundreds. Well, the, they all copy each other. If anyone comes out with a new feature, all the others, you know, will come out with it. You know, there, there's not a great uniqueness between HubSpot and Acton, and you know the. The hundred other CRMs and marketing automation programs—they all do similar things. Some are better than others, but you know they're they're all similar. Um, so that's not what people will remember. Um, that's something for the salespeople to talk about. The salespeople can take you know talk to the customer and say, well, "What's important to you? You know, what's the most important feature? What are you really looking to do?" You know, where are you now? What are you using now? Where do you want to be a year from now? Those are great sales questions. The role of marketing is to get the customer to remember you at all, and that you sell a marketing automation program. And that two years from now, when they need a new marketing automation program, I better call up these guys because they seem kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, love it, love it, Luis. Yeah, yeah. I love all your valuable insights. Uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you.
0: Um, well, I should have put my whole name in here. Uh, so I'm on Twitter and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so it's uh, Louis Godema, G-U-D-E-M-A. Uh, and uh, they can email me um, at Louis at Gmail and uh like i said i'm on twitter and linkedin so they can find me there as well
1: okay guys you can find all these links in the description below listen us on apple google spotify thanks again for your time a big pleasure a lot of valuable insights guys you need to follow louis you can see that uh, marketing is uh, huge but if you have the right strategy if you create brand awareness then you can sell even if you have small brand awareness and grow in some time okay guys love you see you thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in
0: apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use